a graduate community fellow at the MIT PKG Public Service Center. Welcome to Ideas That Inspire, a limited series podcast celebrating the 20th year of MIT Ideas Social Innovation Challenge, housed in the PKG Public Service Center. This series highlights several inspiring stories of former and current MIT students, social innovators, tackling societal and environmental disparities in respectful and ethical collaboration with impacted stakeholders. Today, we are talking to Sally Khanile Lynch, an MBA graduate of MIT Sloan School of Management, Ideas 2020 Award recipient, a sustainable investor, and founder of GreenSource. Based in Cameroon, GreenSource is revolutionizing the palm oil industry in West Africa by providing smallholder producers with resources to create sustainably made palm oil and improve their livelihood. With over 200 customers, Green Source is shifting the landscape of palm oil production. I have the pleasure of talking to Sally about her journey at Ideas and the ways in which she was inspired to produce change in a remarkable way. Thank you for joining us and happy listening. So, hi Sally, how are you doing today? I'm well, how are you? I'm good. So thanks for joining in today. And we would just like to go back in your time at MIT. Would you could like to tell us about how your time was and what department, clubs or organizations were you involved in during your time? Yeah, so I graduated just this past year in May. I was an MBA student at the MIT Sloan School of Management. And I really fell into entrepreneurship when I was at MIT. I did not come to MIT with a plan to be an entrepreneur, but was inspired and encouraged by my classmates when I shared my ideas for launching a startup in Cameroon, where my stepfather hails from. And it was really at that point that I became more involved in the entrepreneurship ecosystem via courses and funding opportunities, including Sandbox, Legatum. Delta V, and most importantly, PKG Ideas Competition. And it was through engaging in those platforms and ecosystem that I gained confidence, honed my ideas and entrepreneurship skills. And it was thanks to many of the mentors provided through those platforms. So Rebecca Ideas, Bob Rabsky from Ideas, Ira Hoshman and Rags Gupta from Sandbox, as well as Professor Joe Sponson, who teaches a class on developing market entrepreneurship. And the mission of my startup was also so largely shaped by my engagement in impact investing space. At Sloan, I was a participant in the Impact Investing Club. And so that really brought a lens into everything that I did uh, while I was at MIT. Well, that's great. Could you share about your ideas venture? How did you come up with the idea? What was the starting point? And what were your initial goals in pursuing this work? Absolutely. So as I mentioned, I launched my startup in Cameroon, where my stepfather hails from, and where I spent significant time, specifically in the Sipuma village, where most of his family is from. And through my conversations with family members, as well as members of the community in the village, I learned so much more about their ecosystem. And I learned that agriculture, specifically palm production, was the main source of income for most families. 
given that large producers were also trying to grab many of their lands and their struggle to access machinery and make ends meet, I saw a specific opportunity for me to help support that community. And interestingly, it was aligned with a lot of the research that I was doing during my internship between my first and second year. I worked at Manulife Asset Management, and I spent a lot of time writing a white paper on the palm oil industry and the issues with it and uh, lack of sustainable practices and by large producers, as well as a growing momentum and movement towards not only creating sustainable palm oil, but also investing in it. And so I saw an opportunity gap of these large increasing number of buyers that wanted to only buy and limit their purchase to sustainable palm oil. And those in the community where my father hails from who were committed to sustainable practices, had a spiritual connection to the land and were adhering to those and yet weren't able to access sustainable buyers that were aligned with their practice. And so that's where Green Source, that was the genesis of Green Source. And so we provide smallholder palm oil producers in West Africa with the resources to create sustainably made palm oil laws improve their livelihood. And so the three main resources we provide are one, mobile machinery, copper processing machinery that can be delivered to hard to reach areas via three wheel motorcycles. So we've pivoted this concept and piloted from where we started in Sipoma Village and we have a stationary machine that's feet away from many of the smallholder farms in that area. And this has reduced travel times for our smallholders by 90% from those who previously traveled over 80 kilometers to use unreliable machinery in cities or manual production methods. Number three, we provide mobile applications that connect smallholders directly to buyers, allowing them to request machinery as well and connect with all other smallholders. So our mobile machine, our mobile application uses geospatial technology to trace the origins of where our palm oil is, produ is produced. And this is a traceability is a huge issue in the palm oil industry. Many large producers are masking their unsustainable production processes and oil that they collect from smallholders at a discount and then sell at a premium. And the reason why they don't want to disclose the origins of their oil is they don't want to share with their buyers these horrible practices. So we are shifting the landscape. We are all about transparency and our mobile application technology allows us to really differentiate ourselves and our smallholders to continue, again, promote their sustainable practices uh, and attract a growing number of sustainable products. Lastly, we provide education and networks. So we have a sustainable agriculturist who goes into the community, and many of our, ag our agriculturists are part of, of these communities. They're, they're from these villages, they have connections in them. And so they, they build trust with the smallholders. And we also connect them to our number of large sustainable buyers, many of whom are part of the roundtable for sustainable palm oil, which is the growing uh, recognition of sustainable practices and certification that's recognized more broadly. So as a result of our services, our smallholders have been able to increase their monthly income on average from $50 a month to $200 and mobilize the network that we have to protect their land from large producers who seek to grab it and also to really expand 
their connection to growing number of sustainable buyers. That's amazing. As an architect myself and an urban designer, I have been aware of the amount of, like my interest regarding palm oil was the amount of pollution it contributes to and the rise in global warming and its connection with palm oil has always been in like in congestion and it's always a topic of uh, question these days. Uh, like I'm so inspired right now with your story of how you've been tackling this channel uh, challenge in your home country and especially when you're trying to decentralize the entire production in the supply chain system and how you're trying to connect with the small holders and addressing the gap right on point. And I'm also very happy to see that the results have been surprisingly amazing, like where the income has increased four times, which is really great. I mean, like so happy for Green Source and the amount of effort you've been putting into it. So I would just like to know what drew you to IDS program and how did you get involved with it? Yeah, so I first learned about ideas from Rebecca, who came to a Legatum showcase, and I had spent the summer getting Legatum funding to continue my work and then shared it with a group of students and general members of the MIT community. And when I met her, I felt she really understood what I was doing, the mission of what I was doing, and truly saw and heard me as an entrepreneur in a way that others had not. And I was I was really drawn to ideas, focused on impact, and saw so much alignment with my goals and vision for my com- company, as well as their commitment to supporting startups um, integrated in those markets. So they were really looking for people who had had experience and exposure in those places, had had either familial connections or some other type of connection, and weren't just trying to go into a community and bring a solution to a place. Because so many of my of um, my family members and community, like they are the ones that know what's best for them, <laughs> and and what I think we see is this kind of savior complex of people coming into communities and and saying, oh, I have the solution. This is the solution. I thought so many times in my experience uh, being a, you know, part Cameroonian and, and spending time there and Western companies coming in and, and saying like, oh, here's a solution for you. And then it's like, there's a mismatch there. And so Ideas was really asking the hard questions from entrepreneurs to really get a sense that they understood the Pulse community and they, they really spent time with the community figuring out what was best for them. From them, as well as their commitment to supporting entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs of color. So I had seen my friend Bo Wages, a former woman of color, fellow woman of color, and former Ideas competition recipient as well, uh, win the year before I did, which gave me the confidence that I could also win. So when you see people who look like you and winning in, in these uh, competitions and, and having successful companies, it really encourages you. It gives you the confidence that that could be you. And I love that ideas really invest in diverse founders. Yes, I, I totally agree with you on that. Like as a student, I also kind of connect with you on that point. And that was one of the reasons even I started uh, working for ideas because I, I was inclined towards supporting social entrepreneurs. And all your points are amazing. And I feel ideas is a great opportunity and a platform within MIT. 
even for leading women entrepreneurs to kickstart their proposals. And it kind of shaped your ideas into actions. And I, I love that about ideas. Seriously. Okay. Yeah. So I just wanted to know how did you connect with your team at Ideas? Or did you have a team in mind or your team was formed afterwards? Like, how did you go about it? So a lot of my team members were formulated on the ground. Because I was pursuing my MBA simultaneously, I knew I needed to have folks on the ground constantly overseeing the business. And I had developed relationships through my family and and trusted connections with folks who could be there full time and make sure that they could oversee the machinery, address smallholder needs. So a lot of that was through my communication and connections developed from my five trips there while I was getting my MBA. So I think really building trust and connections on the ground is important, especially if you're not going to be somewhere full time. So that was where I developed a lot of my team was on the ground. And I also wanted to make sure that, you know, I was, I was also hiring people in the community. That's like part of our mission is to increase improve the livelihood of smallholders. And, and so I wanted to hire smallholders in the community. That was really important. And it's such a, for the community, it's, it's really an, a community based on trust. And so you had to have that trust through integrating people who are part of the community. Um, but I also, while I was at Sloan, leveraged the network within Ideas and Sandbox and met some amazing consultants and, and, and other individuals who wanted to get involved and support me from a distance. And so I connected with two PhD biochemical engineers, Gustavo and Bernardo, who have helped me develop a circular energy solution. So we are now going to start powering our machinery with palm oil, which is really exciting. So um, we're creating a palm biofuel. So then everything that we create and produce in terms of man- developing palm oil can then be recirculated and used as an energy supply. So that has been huge. And MIT has so many amazing students and, and other entrepreneurs to who can help find solutions to problems. And so I wanted to make sure that I tapped into that amazing marketplace of talent. So I hope that answers your question partly. It's been an interesting development of having both teammates here and and members who come in as consultants and also a full-time team on the ground in Cameroon. Yes, definitely. Like on-ground connections and building that trust is really important. And we have seen through the uh, pandemic where we have been working remotely, but it's the people on ground and the trust we have built is what actually matters. And it's great that you have that kind of support for your organization. And I guess like that's something I'm uh, hoping that that enables you to work remotely while being here in Cambridge and working things out at your home ground as well. And also, as you mentioned about I from your conversation, I understand that you're uh, looking into making things further in terms of how you produce and also supply. And integrating with across department and programs, that's great. Like I kind of feel a sense of a circular economy being integrated with the entire process where you're addressing the production and as well as the waste. And that's really great. I just wanted to ask something like what's one one or more things that has struck with you from this experience? And what advice would you give yourself 
That's a great question. I've learned so much as an entrepreneur, being in the process while at MIT and having amazing mentors that allowed me to self-reflect and also build new skills. So I would tell my younger entrepreneurial self to be more confident in what you've accomplished and market it. It's okay to, you know, I think there are moments to be humble. And I think as women, <laughs> too often that we we turn to, to being humble. And I think that's a great quality to have. But when you're an entrepreneur and you're trying to get folks to invest in, in your business, it's really important to be okay with, you know, talking about all the amazing things that your business and your company has done and your team has done. And it's okay to, to share that and, and be confident and own it and really and, and get other people excited about it. And so I really, it took time for me to shift my mindset and learn how to get better at pitching at competitions and, and how to share that information in a way and that confidence really is exuded and, and investors see that and, and, and want to invest in that. So I would tell myself, my younger self to be more confident. I would also say that it's okay to ask for more money. You know, I saw so many of my male counterparts go with an idea to investor showcase and, and say, okay, I, I'm pitching for $100,000 with an idea. And I was like, you're asking for $100,000 and you don't even have a full-fledged business and it's just an idea? Like, I would never have the confidence to ask for $100,000 with, with just that. And I think every business is unique and every idea is unique. So I don't think that there's, you know, certain limits that you should place and, and certain quantity qualities that you should place on, on what you ask for. Go out there and ask for it. And, and you never know. It's always good to ask for more money and, and then probably will get less than to ask for less and, and people give you more. So, so always go out there. You and your company are worthy. Just, just ask for it. You never know. And hard work is seen and valued. Don't discount the value of all you've done as, as an entrepreneur. Investors can and do see the difference. So when I was an entrepreneur, I, I, you know, I had this full-fledged business that I got up and running within three months, which is amazing. And I was always discounting the value of that. And I think was concerned that, that investors wouldn't see that. And I, I quickly learned that they do see that. And so really know that, that and have confidence in, in, in the value of your work and, and, and continue to work as hard because their work is, can and will be. Yes, definitely. I agree with you. Like confidence is the key for everything in that matter. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. And women entrepreneurs, especially, I think that's an area that we, yes. we struggle with. And so often you'll see male entrepreneurs you refer to the, the I and, and singular and, and women refer to the we when they talk about their companies, which I think is really interesting and, and really owning your, your, your work and, and having confidence in it is so, so crucial in this world today. Yes. And thanks for sharing that tip, for asking more. And I completely agree. Like we sometimes like undervalue ourselves and our project, but you never know. Maybe we try looking at the larger picture and just start asking more. And yeah, that's a very like, an interesting tip for everyone who are listening today. 
And so what were the challenges in terms like how did you manage your time between the academics and doing the project? And were there any gaps in connecting with the resources? I'm sure it would not have been easy as you made it sound. There would have been challenges as well. So I would just like to know what were the challenges and how you worked around with it. Yeah, so one of the biggest challenges for me was uh, it was really leaning into that last question of working on pitching my startup and, and marketing it and learning what investors look for and, and leaning into that and, and making sure that that's a part of my narrative of my business. So that was one of the biggest challenges when I first started is navigating the investor landscape and how to most effectively communicate to potential investors. During COVID, there have been significant challenges simply because in a typical year, I'm traveling at least five times a year or, you know, a little less now, I'm no longer being in school. But but uh, during my career at Sloan, I traveled five times. So so that was a little more than five times a year, but it was it was close to that. And so now this past few months, I have not been able to go because they had put up the borders because of um, trying to limit the exposure to COVID in Cameroon. And so that's when having a really great, strong team on the ground has been instrumental and has significantly helped us continue to thrive as a business. But it has been challenging for our smallholders who typically rely on the local transport train route to get their products from the village of Sibuma and nearby villages to urban areas where they sell their products in the market. And they had to do, go through more checks in the system to make sure that they could get into the market. So you had to have a negative COVID test often, and it really delayed and slowed your ability to sell directly to customers in the market. And so we continue to see opportunities where there are challenges for our smallholders. And the opportunity was to leverage technology and build this mobile application where it connects smallholders directly to buyers without them having to go into that marketplace. And so often we will have our larger buyers or our team collect the palm oil by truck and then bring it to the larger facility where the buyers uh, have storage of, of the oil that they then transport into their larger market. So that has been really helpful for our smallholders and has taken uh, some of that burden off of them and pressure and stress from having to go through these routine COVID checks at the, at the stations. And we're helping facilitate that connection directly to the buyers. So those are two examples of challenges at different intersections of my journey as an entrepreneur and how I got through that. I think, again, having thought partners is so instrumental and having mentors and being receptive to their feedback. So I think the most successful entrepreneurs that I've seen are the ones that acknowledge when they're not good at something and are ready and willing to pivot and take different ideas. So I worked really closely more recently with Bob Rowski, an ideas mentor, to really think through what my business could look like during the pandemic. And earlier on, with Joe Sponson, a professor, who really helped me gain the confidence that I, I needed to then pitch to investors. Amazing. 
like it's great how you have navigated yourself with all the given challenges and so glad that things are working out uh, so just wanted to reflect on your journey uh, after being awarded as the ideas recipient for 2020 how did your journey change did it what was the big change did you see in yourself and also in your pr- project well i gained a lot more confidence again so much of my my thoughts about being able to be in that position was seeing my classmate Bowen who was also a woman of color and gave me the confidence to even apply <laughs> to ideas uh, alongside Rebecca who has been a champion and advocate for me but it was so great to to really see that that others saw me as an entrepreneur that I was seen and heard as an entrepreneur that my all of my work was seen and heard by the committee who reviews applications and I just I had worked so so hard there's so much that goes into applying for these competitions and so much work and you can often feel defeated before you even finish but when I saw that payoff that was amazing boost to my you know esteem as an entrepreneur and felt like I really could could go out there and continue to raise capital after graduating from Sloan so was a pivotal moment for me especially because I was graduating from the institute and so I needed to to figure out how to carry my business forward and that that was a huge boost of confidence for me that I could do that after leaving MIT and and Sloan um it also gave me a lot of exposure to other outlets so I was then featured in Acumen article on the Rockefeller Foundation Acumen student social innovation competition I've been invited back to Sloan and MIT at large to speak on panels about entrepreneurship. I just was a part of a next generation of funders a panel last week and next week on the 24th. This is a small plug. MIT Sloan Innovate Conference is going to be hosted and I will be participating in the agricultural panel. So anyone who's interested in agriculture in Africa Uh, please join you can register at mitafrica.com/aic2021 and so the back to your point about what ideas did to me it really allowed uh, me to have exposure to all these different outlets where i can now share my work uh, within the community outside of the community of sloan and so you're interested in learning more about our business uh, our website greensourceafrica.com you can see other things that we've been involved in there but but ideas really really has been so instrumental in elevating my business so i'm eternally grateful for the opportunity well thank you so much and i just wanted to ask some questions or uh, general questions like what does social impact mean to you when you first started and how has it changed over time and uh, if you would be able to reflect on the impact that you and your work has had on lives of people yeah that's a great question especially because i've pivoted and focused so much of my career on having an impact and it's looked very different in the various roles that i've taken on i worked 5 years in government for a former governor of Massachusetts Deval Patrick and current mayor of New York Bill de Blasio and so social impact looked very different in municipal and state government versus what it looks like in my current 
you know, line of work. But I think either line of work, it's still something that you that A is measurable. So for, for me, it's really important that you are able to quantify the change that you've had. And, and more broadly, social impact is having a positive change, creating solutions to directly improve pressing social issues. So that might look different at, you know, in different environments and communities, but being able to quantify that change is really important and validating the social impact that you had and making sure that's tracked over time. So for us as, at GreenSource, we have several key KPIs that we use to assess the social impact that we have in the community. And we track that over time to make sure that A, we continue to deliver to the community and, and B, we can still tell a, com- a compelling narrative to potential investors that, that we are committed to this and that we actually are aligned and a mission-driven a mission-driven company. So we have served over 200 smallholders and we have been able to reduce travel times by 90% and quadruple their monthly incomes. These are all measurable changes that we will continue to track. And if we fall short of that, that's an op- that's an opportunity for us to figure out alternative ways to improve our model. And it's all it all comes down to serving smallholders. So we want to make sure that we're able to continue to benchmark and, and improve our access for our smallholders. So if we feel like that's not happening, we need to be able to pivot our business strategy. So that's why to me, KPIs are everything when it comes to social impact. And so I, I, I'm really a staunch advocate of them. But with respect to my personal journey and my career, uh, it has completely been defined by social impact. It's in, embedded in everything that I do, and it really feeds and drives my soul that I have that component in, involved in my work. I, I couldn't imagine being in a job where that wasn't a core to the work that I do. So I hope that answers your question. I could continue to speak all day about yeah. social impact because I'm so passionate about it. Yeah, definitely. Like, thank you so much for sharing about how social kind of social impact drives your entire motive behind the project. And I, and that is completely reflected in your work and also how it has been contributing towards the smallholders. Just to keep the conversation going, what would you like to share some of your future plans for Green Source? Yeah. So I am really excited about our mobile application. We're hoping to continue to expand it and pilot it beyond just Sipama Village, where we currently have operations and can ex- and it really will allow us to grow our business at a, at a broader scale. We've already spoken to many potential customers who, who have shared how much value such a application could provide them with, as well as the Gates Foundation speaking to them about what could really add value at scale and and in areas where there may be lower literacy rates and areas where you have SMS texting, brick phone enabled uh, service and platform that can be integrated into our application. So really excited about the work we're doing there and the scale that it could be deployed at. I'm also really excited about her work with the two PhD students at MIT, and, and now we work, are going to 
to take that work that they've done and, and pilot it in, in the village so we can make sure that we have that circular energy supply in place for next season and 2022. So that's something that I think will be huge. And hopefully we can shift the whole landscape and how people power machinery on palm biofuel. I think that there's a huge opportunity there. So I'm really excited about those two things and potential partnerships with larger foundations and companies that we've been engaged in. Yeah, I'm super excited to see uh, what Green Source has next. And it's amazing. All your plans are super, like, almost I can envision them happening right away. Thank you for sharing that. Just to like know what you're currently working on, is there any other space that you're working other side, uh, alongside Green Source? And is there any other problems you would be addressing in future or are there any points of interest which you would be tackling in the coming future? Well, for me, women's empowerment is huge. As a woman of color, as an entrepreneur, as someone who has uh, deep familial connections, in Cameroon and specifically women in the community. So often they're the ones who are managing the farm. They're out there working and yet their husbands are the face of their work. And so I think that's deeply problematic. There's also a cultural component to that and a historical component to that. But I think today's day and age, it's time to shift that narrative. <laughs> um, and, and women in the community uh, have spoken to me about that and their frustrations with that. And so that's something that I really want to continue to invest in hiring women, elevating their stories, elevating them in their businesses um, and empowering them. And, 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 and it's not necessarily that <laughs> one person needs to do that. I think what these women are amazing and they can, they, they can empower each other. There's so many uh, so women's associations in, in in my community in Cameroon that that are extremely successful in working together and organizing together uh, to to pilot different initiatives. And so we're hoping to help them organize <laughs> collectively with other women's associations and nearby villages and leveraging our technology to do that as well. So that's an area that I will continue to work on in my business and I'm very passionate about. Yeah, it's amazing like how you're leveraging the existing resources and trying to bridge the gap, the gender gap, I would say, and also empowering women. And I guess like this would inspire everyone. Uh, it starts from your context and I hope that it expands all through Africa and globally. And that's been, uh, it's an amazing work you've been doing. Like kudos for that. And to go ahead like is there any sort of a time frame you would advise students who are interested in entrepreneurship like there are so many platforms at MIT that sometimes it just gets overwhelming and this is from a personal experience and what would you suggest like a, a starting time to just like think about entrepreneurship and by the time these platforms starts launching so what you said like you had three months preparation in time before you even propose the project so would you think that's the right amount of time or would you advise to start like way ahead or even last minute like a very draft ideas also work could you share your experience on that 
Yeah, well, it's, it's it's difficult to give a specific time frame because I think it, it it depends on the type of work that you're trying to do and engage in. Um, for me, agriculture, I, I had a sense from my team and the community what amount of time it would take to scale something like this. And so we built a time uh, frame around that. I think having your idea first a is important and and as soon as you can start hashing that out the better so <laughs> i think it depends if you're in undergrad or graduate school and the amount of time that you have at, at MIT but as soon as you can start really focusing on that and speaking to as many people as possible and and getting as much feedback because you don't want to run with an idea and the solution before really exploring what the actual problem is <laughs> and so i think too many Times I see that where entrepreneurs are, are jump right to the solution and haven't really thought through the problem. And so really spending time doing that. And I, I don't have the exact time frame for, for how long someone should spend doing that. I think you should you should continue to work through the problem for as long as, as is needed to, to figure out and devise a solution that has integrity to it and, and, and that you you really been thoughtful and, and communicated and piloted in the community to, to ensure actually is a solution that will have a long-term impact and, and positive uh, effect in the community. Um, so that that's number one idea, then idea generation, then piloting number two, and in that process, communicating and speaking to as many experts in the field as possible. At those stages, I think you can engage with lots of, of lots of MIT's resources for entrepreneurs. Legatum Sandbox um, are willing to provide entrepreneurs with funding at that idea stage. Delta Via is a more formal, they have a more formal program over the summer for entrepreneurs to get involved in, as well as competitions. But I think a lot of that depends on what stage you're in. So they have competitions for earlier startups, they have competitions for more evolved startups. So so it depends on where you are in your journey, but know that you can get funding at earlier stages of your journey. The later stages, when you have a fully fleshed business concept and, and running business, I think that's a good time to start going for more funding and, and spending more time in, in figuring out what those uh, competitions are like and how to get involved in them. I think so, so that could look like a year after you, you've, you've generated your idea. That could be, like I said, like three months after you've launched. It depends on how long it takes you to fully reach that phase of your business. But I think that's a good time when, when you have that deployment of, of your business plan and you have, you know, actual pilots in place and, and results of that, that you, you're in a good foundational place to engage in competition. So those are kind of sequentially how I would think about uh, tapping into the, the variety of resources at MIT. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Uh, like, yeah, MIT has a lot of resources for starters to, when you're in ideation state. Those kind of platforms also boost your confidence to actually digging more into your issues and challenges you're tackling. Thank you so much for sharing that. So just a final question, I would say like, Given the pandemic, COVID pandemic has been very challenging for everyone. Is there any sort of a self-care strategy you follow to keep yourself up and going? Yeah, so I for me, it's been hard as 
uh, so many people, I'm sure, who are are listening to this conversation during COVID to keep ourselves uplifted during this time. I turn to other entrepreneurs who, you know, who, who have had similar challenges or maybe different ones and sharing those and having some kind of empathy there and someone who's sympathetic to, to what I'm going through is always helpful. As well as for me, it's so important to, to move my body and to be active. And so I, I try to run and sometimes that's the best point for idea generation too. And, and for thinking through some new solutions, to some challenges that I'm facing in my business. And so whether it's running or whatever kind of sport you do, mental health, through movement for me has been really, really important and crucial, especially during this time. <laughs> and I'm spending so much time stationary in my room. <laughs> so I, I definitely suggest whatever type of movement that you can do. Um, it's helpful for me and always in terms of generating new ideas. And, and so definitely encourage that as well as speaking with entrepreneurs in the community. And I know Ideas is really good about hosting forums for entrepreneurs to connect with one another. So I definitely suggest anyone who's listening hop into that. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing the tips. And I hope uh, all the listeners have benefited from your inspiring story and the amazing journey and the amount of work you have put into Green Source. That's super inspiring. Thank you so much for sharing your journey and your work with us. And we are happy to connect with you in future. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mona. It's been a pleasure and really appreciate you reaching out and for all your work you're doing to share entrepreneurial stories. I look forward to listening to others. And like I mentioned, they feed my soul and keep me motivated. So really appreciate these conversations. Thank you so much once again. Green Source are truly providing for smallholders with a big impact. They are not only providing fair trade in palm oil, but also make the entire process of production to market a sustainable one. Thank you for listening. We have learned a lot. To learn more about selling and her work at Green Source, visit their website at www.greensourceafrica.com. To learn more about the MIT IDEA Social Innovation Challenge, visit us at bit.ly forward slash MIT. PKG IDEAS or follow us on Instagram at MIT Ideas Challenge. We also want to thank our sponsors including Post Corporation, Rockefeller Foundation and Acumen Fund and Cambridge Equity.